Hello, welcome back to the Barefoot Books podcast. Almost every child knows the story of Cinderella. This week, we're the version that inspired the famous ballet. After the story, go to barefootbooks.com to find the complete Barefoot Ballet Stories collection. Cinderella, from the ballet by Sergei Prokofiev. The large house, sitting in the middle of a rambling garden, was like a stone set in a bronze ring that has gone green with age. It was not worth much now, but had once been well loved. Inside the house, the family had settled down for the evening in front of the fire. A quiet evening of warmth and... My scarf! Mine! Two voices, sharp and edgy, cut across the quiet of the drawing room. Krivlyaka and Zlayuka, as harsh and ugly as their names, were once again quarrelling. Papa looked up from his newspaper and shook his head. Mamma, busy with her sewing, merely shrugged. Only Cinderella, lovely in the firelight, hoped against hope that her stepsister's quarrel would quickly be resolved. Otherwise it would spill over, as always, and they would start picking on her. My scarf! Krivlyaka cried. Mine! Zlayuka answered back. Mamma stood up, took the scarf from them, and with a snip of her embroidery scissors, cut it in two. A wail from the sisters went from low to high. Mamma! they screeched. How could you? Then they spotted Cinderella. Her fault, anyway, said Zlayuka, throwing down her half of the scarf. And with this, Krivlyaka agreed. Cinderella put her head down and tried to ignore them. She knew they'd eventually get tired of bullying her and go away, as long as she didn't fight back. And after a while they stopped, as she knew they would. Her stepsisters left her alone at last. Her father and stepmother had gone to bed already, and Cinderella set about tidying the room. Dustpan and Broom, her only partners, she began to dance about in a slow waltz and dream. Then, still in a dream, she held the two pieces of scarf up against her shoulder. If only, she thought, but caught herself in time. The mirror over the mantel showed her who she really was. Poor Cinderella, a smudge on her nose. Cinderella, the cleaning maid, who had once been the only daughter of the house, her father's favourite. Until stepmother had come with her nasty daughters. She could have wept, but didn't. Weeping, 
like dreaming, never achieved anything. The next morning, as usual, Cinderella was busy in the kitchen while everyone else slept in. She had already cleaned the hearth, set the new fire, put the kettle on to boil, and was just sweeping the floor when a loud knock came at the door. Cinderella! It was her stepmother's voice, sharp as a saw's teeth. Someone is here. Perhaps it's the dressmaker. Or perhaps it would be the dancing master, invited to make her stepsisters ready for tonight's ball at the palace. Or the hairdresser. Or the cobbler. Or... At least, thought Cinderella, any of these would offer a break in the day's grinding routine. Setting the broom down, she went to the door, flung it open, hoped for magic, but expected none. An old woman stood on the doorstep, a crone, her clothes a dung heap, her hair a rat's nest. She held out a grimed hand. Cinderella knew better than to let the old woman in, but... Here, she whispered, taking a crust of bread from her apron pocket, a crust she'd been planning to eat for her own breakfast. She handed it to the old woman. It's all I have. May this comfort you, Granny. The crone nodded, smiled. There was a moment between them. Not magic, exactly, but warmth. Then she was gone. Another knock at the door. This time Cinderella opened it without being asked. It was the dressmaker, then the hairdresser, then the dancing master, then the musicians. She led them into the drawing room. One by one by one during the long day, the visitors tried to turn the awkward, ugly stepsisters into young ladies graceful enough to catch the prince's eye, for it was thought that he would choose a wife this very night at the ball. Cinderella watched as they each tried their best with the stepsisters. A hopeless task, she thought. Silk purses out of sow's ears. The flurry of activity ended as quickly as it had begun, and all the visitors were finally bustled out of the door, closely followed by the family, stepmother, father and stepsisters, on their way to the ball. Only Cinderella was left behind, alone, Hand on the broom once again, as if resting her palm lightly on a partner's shoulder, she began to dance. Unlike her stepsisters, she moved with unconscious grace. Her worn skirts, the hem carefully sewn and re-sewn at the bottom, belled out around her. She was thankful to be alone. Alone, she could pretend. But she was not alone, after all. Someone else was watching. Cinderella looked up, startled, and beheld a pair of eyes that seemed the same as the old crone's, but it was a young woman now standing before her. The old woman might have changed form, but she had not forgotten Cinderella's kindness and the crust of bread. A good heart deserves a good evening, she announced, and clapping her hands, she summoned her helpers. Spring arrived, carrying a gossamer dress, spun of milkweed and moonlight. Summer brought a spray of wild roses to wind around her hair. Autumn came, holding a cloak, the colour of the last leaves. 
Winter held up diamonds as bright as icicles to drape around Cinderella's neck and wrists and a twine in her hair. Stunned into silence, Cinderella could only gawk in wonder as the fairies spun her around and around, helping her into the gossamer dress, the spray of wild roses, the diamonds, the cloak, combing her hair and getting her ready for the ball. Then the fairy with the old crone's eyes said, You look lovely, my dear, but something is still missing. Cinderella looked at herself in the mirror over the mantel. The reflection was not what she expected. Gone was Cinderella in her patched, worn dress. Looking back at her was a princess from some far-off land, breathtaking in roses and diamonds. Missing? She could not guess what could be missing. The fairy chuckled and snapped her fingers. Finally, two slippers, crystal and clear, made with love for you, my child. She handed them to Cinderella. Put them on. Put them on. Cinderella did as she was told, then stood quite still, her eyes closed. Was it all a dream? When she opened her eyes again, to her surprise, she was still in the gossamer gown, her hair draped with pink roses and ice jewels, the cloak on her shoulders, the crystal slippers on her feet. Now, child, the fairy warned her, magic comes with rules, and you must obey them. Cinderella curtsied. She would obey any rules just to be allowed to wear such a dress, such slippers, such jewels. Be home by midnight's final chime, for on the stroke of twelve all your fine clothes will disappear. You will be dressed in rags once more, a servant in your father's house once again. Midnight, Cinderella whispered, to show she understood. Then, with a wave of her wand, the fairy changed a great orange pumpkin from the garden into a coach. With another wave of her wand, six rats became six horses, and three mice became the footman and driver. And away Cinderella sped to the prince's ball. Arriving at the palace, Cinderella was helped down from the coach by the two footmen. They were handsome in their silver-grey livery, but their noses tended to twitch because, underneath all their finery, they were still mice. The palace was lit with thousands of candles, and in the slight breeze it seemed to shimmer. Cinderella could hear music. Violins and violas joined in a lively waltz. For a moment she was afraid to go in. But the music set her toes tapping, and the crystal slippers made the sound tink, tink, tink upon the stone stairs. She took a deep breath and started up the steps. The closer she got the more the music pulled her in. Soon she was all but running up the stairs. The exertion put roses in her cheeks to match the ones in her hair. Two guards pulled open the heavy wooden doors, and she walked in. The ball was already well underway. Across the great hall, couples were whirling and spinning about. Men in colourful coats and women in sparkling dresses looked as lovely as flowers dancing in a garden, when a playful breeze blows through. Gazing around, Cinderella spotted her stepsisters in a far corner. Like swine in finery, 
trying to do the dances they'd been taught. But they hardly knew left foot from right. They bobbed when they should have bowed, hopped where they should have skipped. It would have been laughable if it had not been so sad. And then the prince entered the ballroom, a young man of regal bearing, his hair tied back with a blue velvet ribbon. Though he was not smiling, still he charmed everyone, even the stepsisters, especially them. But he did not ask any of the women to dance. Instead, he sat down on his throne and looked around the hall as if waiting for magic. Not every time one waits for magic does it appear. The prince knew this, yet still he waited. For magic. For love. And then a strange thing happened. A girl who had been standing by the great wooden doors took off her leaf-coloured cloak and handed it to a servant. No, not just a girl. A princess. A princess with her hair twined about with roses and wearing diamonds as bright as icicles. A young woman of such grace and bearing, she had to be enchanted. Or at least the prince was. Enchanted. He stood up, walked through the dancers, across the hall, and straight over to her. He held out his hand, and she gave him hers. A small hand, but surprisingly strong and rather calloused. She looked up at him, her eyes even more sparkling than the diamonds, the roses in her cheeks brighter than the ones in her hair. He took her in his arms, and they began to dance, and dance, and dance some more. She, drab Cinderella an hour before, and now a sparkling princess, danced with a prince as if in a dream. Around them the other guests looked on. Some whispered behind their fans, some matched them step for step. Some were jealous, others simply amazed. Did Cinderella notice? No more than the prince did. They saw only each other as they danced. But enchantments follow rules. Magic has consequences. The clock began to strike the midnight hour, and the gossamer girl looked up from her dream, startled. Midnight, she cried. I must fly. Such was the moment of enchantment that the prince thought she meant to sprout wings, to become a lark, a butterfly, a moth. But instead, she pulled herself from his arms and raced away like a startled deer, a hare before the fox, leaving only a single crystal slipper behind. Early the next morning, as the sun's light was just beginning to creep into the sky, Cinderella awoke by the hearth fire. Perhaps it had only been a dream, she thought, as she started to doze once again. For how could she have had a gossamer gown, a spray of wild roses and cascades of ice-bright jewels in her hair? How could she have gone to the ball and danced with the prince himself? But something clinked in her pocket as she woke up. When she reached her hand in to see what had made the sound, she drew out a single crystal slipper. Not a dream, then, she told herself. Magic! Standing, she found the broom where she had left it, leaning against the hearth. 
she whispered, curtsying to it. I would love to have this dance with you. Then holding the broom tenderly in her arms, she began a slow waltz. Then the only music was in her head, in her heart, in her soul. Just then, her stepsisters, Krivlyaka and Zlayuka, and her stepmother and father came back from the ball, the sisters lurching on aching feet, giggling, all but oinking with pleasure. Cinderella's broom companion was set back against the hearth. She was servant, cleaner, maid once more. Midnight had come and gone. The dream was over. The magic had fled, except for what remained in her memory and in her pocket. But what was that commotion outside? The prince had come with heralds and a jester, his court adviser, carrying the single crystal slipper. I will marry the girl whose foot fits this shoe, the prince had announced. So street by street, house by house, the prince and his messengers went, trying the tiny slipper on the feet of big girls and small girls and in-between girls. And now they were at Cinderella's house. Cinderella opened the door, and the prince's messengers held out the crystal dancing slipper. We must find the girl who fits this, they said for she is the one who shall marry the prince. My shoe! Mine! Two voices, sharp and edgy, cut across the kitchen. Krivlyaka and Zlayuka were quarrelling once again. One at a time, their mother warned, raising a finger. One at a time, my lovelies! So the messengers tried the dainty crystal slipper on the girls, first on Krivlyaka's foot, then on Zlayuka's. No shoehorn could get it on either foot. Their feet were much too big and as awkward as pig's trotters. But who was that lurking near the hearth fire? A serving maid? A tatter coat? A beggar girl come in from the street? The prince drew near. Will you try on the shoe? he asked, for he noticed that her eyes sparkled and it was not just a trick of the firelight. He saw roses in her cheeks, but the room was not that warm. She's no one, cried the stepmother. Less than no one, cried the stepsisters. I will try, Cinderella whispered, her voice giving nothing away. She slipped her foot into the crystal shoe. It fits, cried the prince, gently removing the shoe and holding it aloft. Then Cinderella suddenly, miraculously, drew the matching slipper from her pocket. The prince touched her crystal shoe with his, and it rang with a sound as joyous as wedding bells. "'Will you marry me?' he whispered. "'With all my heart,' she answered. The crystal shoes rang out again. With that, the fairy appeared, and magically the gossamer dress and the jewels adorned Cinderella once again. My prince, Krivlyaka spat out. Mine, Zlayuka spat back. But no amount of wrangling would make him theirs. He belonged to Cinderella, of course, not to them. Cinderella and her prince were married soon after. The fairies danced at their wedding, and everyone except Krivlyaka and Zlayuka and their mother, 
lived happily ever after. That's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Now you can visit barefootbooks.com slash podcast to find special offers, join our email list, and listen to past episodes of the Barefoot Books podcast. See you next week. Bye.